All right, all right. We're back. Back at it again. Baseball podcast. This is Albie Falouse alongside my good friend Cody Elias. Baseball season may be over, but we're still rolling along with the pod. Guy named Steph Curry in the Bay Area. He's pretty good. You might know him. 51 at home. Brought the house down at Oracle Arena. Absolute monster. And now he's back in the garden where it all began. Cody, how you doing, man? I'll be, I'm doing great. You know, I'm doing this remotely from my apartment outside in downtown beautiful San Jose, not San Francisco, beautiful San Jose. Beautiful day out here. What's the weather uh, like Leia out there today? Roaming around on the balcony right now. Um, so I'm sure she'll make an appearance on the program at some point once she does something she shouldn't be doing. So we'll uh, we'll see. But I thought I was going to say you're going to get right into Steph Curry. Where we're just we're going right to the the sex. We're going to skip the foreplay. But you know you asked me how I'm doing, so I'm okay. Yeah. How meat, are you? Meat and potatoes. Uh, I'm great. I'm great. Uh, it's it's not a bad day here in San Francisco. You were here this morning, and uh, you know it's it's not bad. I'm happy. It's Halloween weekend, kind of. I mean, Halloween's technically next week, but people, you know, the drunken adults like to go out this weekend, the weekend before Halloween. And uh, do you have a costume? Are you going to dress up as anything? Uh, I'm not, but remember, uh, us us being adults and, you know, one of us already being 30 and the other one closely approaching 30, we're going to go out and get drunk next weekend because, yes, we're going to celebrate my 30th birthday next weekend. Oh, the big 3-0. Are you excited? I am. I've been looking forward to this since last year when I turned 29. I'm a big fan of the movie 13 Going on 30 with Jennifer Garner. And my, one of my favorite things about the movie is the slogan, 30, flirty, and thriving. So... I feel like that's what's going to be happening with me. You already cl- already are clearly 30, flirty, and thriving. So you're living your best life, as the kids say now these days. That's the worst saying out there. But I, and you got me to say it, so I'm disappointed in myself for letting it come out of my mouth. That's okay. But, you know, you, you each his own. But you and, digest. You know, you, you but you digest. Yeah, I digest. And, you know, we're going to talk about Steph Curry and how Oracle was lit the other day. Oracle was lit. I unfortunately was not in attendance. I went to opening night against the Thunder. It was awesome. Uh, Curry, man. I mean, is there anything like it in sports when this guy gets cooking? I mean, the whole crowd gets into it. There's no one on planet Earth that can shoot a basketball like him. I think I think it's the greatest show I can remember in my lifetime outside of maybe Barry Bonds obliterating baseballs into the McCovey Cove. You're pretty right. Um, you know, me growing up in Pittsburgh, the only thing I can say is comparable because, you know, parts suck forever and uh, the Steelers are exciting, but, you know, I don't get excited about football games like I would for a basketball performance like that. But if I can compare anything, I think watching Sidney Crosby and the run he's been on the last few games against Edmonton and Calgary, I think some of the goals he scored, yeah, it's pretty pretty electric. But that's, you know, that's me coming from liking a niche sport, but you're right about Curry. I mean, I, watching him at home the other night and seeing what he did at, at Oracle, um, I I'm completely blanking on it. Oh, against the Wizards, Jesus. Yeah. Against the Wizards, it was almost it, – it, wasn't that as exciting as watching him put 54 up in the garden, which is where, ironically, where the Warriors are tonight, actually here in like an hour. Yeah. So, no, it was, it was, well, uh, it was amazing. So you're, it's, yeah. Um, I'm never, you'll never hear me say he, he's in a human torch mode because uh, I, don't, I don't really care for that saying, but uh, the, guy was, the guy was amazing. And, and Kevin Durant quietly had the quietest 30, what, what was the 38 and 7, 30, I think. 8 and 7. Yeah. Quite a 38 and 7 night you probably will ever see in the history of the NBA. Yeah. And Clay, Clay Thompson pitched in 19 points. So they became the first trio since the 09 Lakers of Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, and Trevor Ariza to drop 100 points on an opponent. Pretty impressive. Nah, man. Curry, for me, like in a game where you have to shoot a basketball into a hoop, uh, that's kind of the, you know, the point of the game. He is the best at it. And, I think we're getting to the point now where it's like, okay, 
We talk about LeBron every year. Has he passed the torch to Durant? Blah, 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 blah. We often kind of forget about Steph. He kind of he likes to every once every once a month or you know once every few weeks pitch in one of these monster games. It's like oh yeah, like I forgot he's really really good as well, and he might be this best player in the NBA. Do you think when it's all said and done, I look at him. He's thirty years old. Ray Allen played till he was thirty eight. The great the you know he holds the three point record. Curry's going to shatter that. Uh, Vince Carter's still playing at forty one. Kind of a, always has been a shooter, also a dunker, but like you know he's been mostly a kind of an outside guy. Uh, do you see Curry playing, uh, you know, 38 to 40 that age? And I mean, is he going to go down as top five in the NBA all time? I think he'll be, he'll probably play till he's about 40. Things stay healthy and the, what the regimen he's been on recently with what he's on with his trainer, Brandon Payne to get himself his ankles right. And what he, the role, just the incredible role he's been on the last few years with the two MVPs. One of them is unanimous first player to ever do that. Uh, I think he will play until he's about 40. Uh, I think he'll he'll finish definitely in the top 10. Top five is is tough because you have you have Kareem, you have LeBron, you have Kobe, you have MJ. Uh, some a lot of people like Magic. I think he I think he'll be the greatest warrior of all time. That's I mean that's without question. He might already be the greatest warrior warrior of all time. Sorry, Rick Barry. Yeah. Well, and, what what separates Kobe Bryant from Stephen Curry? If if Curry gets to five championships or more, what would be separating Kobe Bryant from Steph Curry? Uh, I just think the points, how many points Kobe scored throughout his career. And Kobe did it without, I mean. I, Kobe I, also came of, out as an 18-year-old. Well, I'm not going to be one of those going to sit here and, and be, say you can't compare eras because I, I think that's silly. You can compare any player to another player. It's They're not always going to be the same because Kobe came up in an era where he was he was a decent three-point shooter. He wasn't Steph, but he wasn't a horrible three-point shooter. So he, he came up in an era where he he relied on his mid-range game and his dunking ability as, until he got older, and he relied on, you know, more, um, you know, strategically uh, making shots. And he was a decent three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that sets him too apart is uh, Kobe was, I think Kobe was an elite defender when he wanted to be. Right. I mean, the guy was a lockdown defender when he actually was like mindful about it. And he won that Mamba mode like they always talk about. I think that's the biggest thing that separates him and Steph. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Steph. He's gotten a lot better on his defense. When we've seen him when he was at Davidson and we've seen him in his first, you know, couple of years with the Warriors before they were any good, before Mark Jackson got there, he just, he wasn't, he wasn't the player he is now, and something clicked in him, and that happens when players hit the, enter the prime. And you know, it's it's great to watch. And I think that he'll, you know, what, I'll go, you know, what, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think he will be a top five player if that's really going out on a limb. Yeah, I think he'll be top five. I said he'll be the greatest warrior. He'll be the greatest shooter. Although, if I this is my thing because I was I always liked Reggie Miller growing up because I thought Reggie Miller is such a pure shooter like Ray Allen. Mm-hmm. If Reggie Miller if Reggie Miller played in today's game where the three pointer is so prevalent, do you think that he would own the record for most threes? Because you saw how good he was in air where three pointers weren't as big as they are now. Do you think that he would be someone that has that? He probably record? would. He'd probably be close to Ray Allen if not if not more. But I mean, Steph would have passed him regardless, even if he was. I, I think he's just more Steph's more of a pure shooter than than even Reggie was, but. No, listen, I mean, for me, Steph's the most exciting player I've ever seen play, you know, play on the basketball court. That's not biased. You know, I, I grew up in the Bay Area and I've been a Warriors fan since they were, you know, Bimbo Coles and Bobby Sura were the backcourt. Um, but yeah, for me, he's just the most exciting player. And I, I think there's just, if he gets a third MVP this year and they go on to win another finals and let's just say he wins finals MVP, let's just say he puts a little cherry on top to this year. He's starting to make a case for greatest ever. I mean, he's, he's getting, he's 30 years old. I mean, we all talk about LeBron, and listen, LeBron's incredible. But I mean, this guy Curry's Curry's potentially hasn't even peaked yet. We we talked about the in the off season going into the you know the first game against the Thunder. Like, has Curry peaked? That was a big question going into the season. I don't know if he has. I, I and it didn't think 
like a couple years ago, you could, you know, a unanimous MVP, 400 threes. You didn't think there'd be anything better than that. Durant comes over. You got to share the ball with another guy. But, you know, sure enough, here we are. And, you know, Clay, or excuse me, Curry's just having this monster start. And speaking of monster starts, Durant, like you said, shadow in the shadow of Curry <laughs> last game, 30 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Uh, and now he's in a, now he's in New York tonight. Uh, they're tipping off. Our, we're recording this podcast before the game, but by the time this hits air, the airwaves, it'll be uh, you know the game will be well underway. But New York is the one destination we keep hearing about um, that is a possible spot landing spot for Durant because you know his agents from New York and he's familiar with New York. He grew up on the East Coast. Uh, it's a huge market for him. He can kind of be the guy in the Eastern Conference now that LeBron is no longer there. Would it make any sense for KD, let's just say that Warriors win a, win a title this year, would it make any sense for him to leave the Warriors and go East? Uh, I think so, because uh, I don't want to see it happen. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, we've all talked about this. The KD talk is is enticing and, you know, gets people going. And, you, you know, no, no one in the Bay Area wants to hear that KD is going to leave. The team won a championship without him. They'll be good with you know they'll be good without him if he leaves. But they're going to be great if he stays. Mm-hmm. I think that the one thing that'll that'll pull KD away is the idea of that he can win another MVP title or another MVP award, because everyone keeps saying how Steph can't probably he's the front runner right now. But you know you got Stephen A. Smith saying that Steph can't win it because he plays on the on the Warriors with with KD and 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 Clay and Draymond and he he's not going to be able to win it because he has all those guys around him helping him, but. I think something like that could motivate Durant to be like, okay, I want to, I want to go back to being the alpha male on my own team, taking my own team like he did to the Thunder to the NBA Finals. And I think if he could do that with the Knicks, who haven't been good since Allen freaking Houston was there, yeah. uh, and that was, you know, I think we were probably like not even in high school yet. Latrell Sprewell. The Knicks good. Never forget. Yeah. Sprewell and, and, and Allen Houston and Jeff Van Gundy clamoring to, uh, you know, clinging to the legs of Alonzo Mourning. I think that's the last time the Knicks were any good. Oh, gosh. But I think if he goes there and – he can get that team into the final, the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, getting to the playoffs is an accomplishment itself because that team, their days is so bad for so long now. But the, everyone says the, the, the Garden's the mecca, and if KD wants to put himself on a map every day and front and center, I think the, you know going to New York will be there because the one thing I think hurts him and hurts the Warriors and will hurt Steph ultimately with the MVP possibly is still they play. There's an East Coast bias. The Warriors start games at ten ten thirty Eastern time every every night they play it during the week and. People aren't seeing these guys play. KD goes to New York. He's front and center 730 every night on the East Coast, and that's what the NBA wants. So, yeah, I can definitely see him go. I think New York's the only destination he'll go east. I don't think he'll go to Boston, and I don't, I don't, there's, I don't think he really is anywhere else besides New York or staying with the Warriors, in my opinion, or maybe down the road going back to the Thunder or joining a Seattle team if they bring the NBA back to Seattle, which I think they should. Or teaming up with LeBron James, which is also a possibility. Don't think it happens. I think yeah, I'm with you. I think Durant will do another one and one deal. I think he'll he'll come back to open Chase Center. I'm just this is all hypothetical. I think the Warriors are going to win this year. Um, you know, LeBron's no longer in the East. Uh, the Warriors are going to get through the West unless there's some you know major injury concerns. But if they win again this year, he's going to go open up open up Chase Center and uh, do one year there. And then I don't know. He's such a fragile mind. I don't really know what to make of his. Uh, long-term plans, but clearly he hasn't committed. And uh, but here, here, here's what I think. I mean, honestly, you could tell there's a lot of joy with him playing with the Warriors. Like he, like he was, he was quoted after the game saying, you know, I just the the joy of watching Steph play and just letting him 
get hot and you know heat check and he 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 loves that like he loves to take a backseat. There's a shot of him saying, "Take me out of the game. Let 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 Steph do do this to the Wizards." Like I'm all for it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. As for the Warriors, I believe they're five and one now. Is that right? Heading into this New York game. Yeah, they are. They're they're on a roll. I mean, we saw Denver lose their first game last night too. Guess who? The Lakers. The Lakers are on a roll. They've won two in a row. But yeah, the the Warriors five one heading into play the. The Knicks, who um, I'm going to be completely honest with you, I don't even know their record. Um, I just know I, don't, I couldn't even have their roster with Porzingis out. I know they have Tim Hardaway and that Frank. Uh, I can't even say his last name. Can you say his last name? The point guard. Uh, Frank uh, Phil Jackson drafted him. Um, oh, you know, talk let's, about the French. The Frenchman. I'm looking it up, but the, I don't, the Knicks are again, the Knicks are one in, the, the Knicks, Knicks are one and four, if, by the way. Okay, yeah. And Ennis, Ennis Cantor is on the Knicks. Don't forget. Remember he beefed oh, with yeah. he beefed with Durant actually. Uh, Durant's first game against the Thunder. Uh, the fifth game of the year in 2016-2017 season, the Thunder came to Oracle. It was Durant's first game against the Thunder, uh, and him and Cantor were smack-talking each other while Cantor was on the bench. And, of course, Cantor was injured in the uh, the game at OKC, where, you know, the cupcake game, and he came off, was grabbing Westbrook, come bring, bring him back to the bench, screaming at Durant. Well, that was, by the way, was that, was that cupcake game not the craziest, like, game you've ever seen? That was the game where you're talking about the KD returning back home for the first back yes. to uh, OKC for the first time. Yeah, um, that game was well, insane. I mean, like the it, fans, the just the the whole cupcake uh, pictures and West Westbrook versus Durant and Cantor and then uh, Roberson getting into headbutting Durant. Like the whole game was just insane. Oh no, I completely agree. And I remember watching most of it because uh, that day was really rough for uh, me. But that's a personal thing, and I'll explain to you that explain that to you some other time. Maybe probably after we do this, I'll explain to you what what I mean. But that game that game was incredible. I mean, I think it's just an incredible game to watch. Seeing KD go back to OKC, you have the whole feud with Westbrook. You have Cantor who runs his mouth, and he's a decent center. He's not anything great. He's a great you know fringe starter role guy off the. I mean, they're paying him all that money to come off off the freaking bench because Stephen Adams is so much better than him. Shout out Pittsburgh, uh, University Adams. of Pittsburgh. That is for Stephen Adams. I was gonna say he's shout out New Zealand. New Zealand, but he went to Pitt. So let's let me have my my moment with uh, Pitt basketball. In, you know, they didn't win a conference game last year, so I don't have a lot to look forward to. So anytime I can mention Stephen Adams, shout out, uh, I'll, I'll get it out there. Shout out, fly to uh, the Concords. Yeah, about <laughs> I looked up the uh, Knicks roster. Uh, okay, so I remember Emmanuel Mudiay when he played for Denver. Ah, yes. Uh, they joking no, but I think he got bought out, or he's not, he's not playing. Uh, we mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. You have uh, Kevin Knox, the rookie from Kentucky. I like him. He's injured. And that's, uh, yeah, he's injured. And they have Ron Baker, shout out Wichita State. I don't know if you remember him. And their coach is David Fisdell. Um, Take that for data. So they're building. They're building. James Dolan uh, will keep keep getting into things there. And, you know, that that whole thing is going to be, that's going to be a fiasco for years to come. I mean, it's. That's always been the storyline with the Knicks. With that is, you know, how can you overcome with what Dolan does as an owner? And you know, I, I, I you know, I commend the guy for wanting to be involved with his basketball team. But it's just like let the, let the guys that are in the you know the front office and the, per, the personnel guys run the team and you know just you know help them bring guys in because you are in New York and you are yeah. at the Mecca, the Madison Square Garden. So, but the Knicks one and four. This is an easy game for the Warriors. And then they, what they have, they have they have the Nets. I really watch the Nets are more exciting to me and, with the, the the way they play, chucking up threes and. They love their coach. Kenny Atkinson's an underrated coach, even though they're not very good. They love playing for that guy. I think the Nets are going to be better quicker than the uh, than the Knicks will be. Yeah, and pardon me, the Warriors are four and one, not five and one. But uh, no, they're five and one because they're going to win tonight. 
Oh, right. Yeah, we're just foreshadowing people, so don't get it twisted. But, uh, so, so when, so but, when the Warriors, if the Warriors lose tonight, we'll have a funeral for this next week. There you go. And the, uh, the Thunder are 0-4, which is kind of a surprise. I know, I know Westbrook missed the first two games, but a little weird that they're 0-4. Billy Donovan, he's got to be feeling a little concerned there. Uh, man, the Ola, getting rid of Oladipo seems like kind of a mistake. I mean, that, that guy's a stud. I, I, I like Paul George, don't get me wrong, but Oladipo's younger, and I just think there's more of a ceiling there long term. Um, the Rockets are off to a weird start. They're one and three, and they're like they're rumored to be trading for Jimmy Butler, giving up four first rounders potentially. I, I don't, I don't really get what's going on there. Obviously, Harden's got the hamstring, um, and the Cavs are the only other team that doesn't have a win. They're zero and five, and uh, third for me. third era post LeBron. Oh, Ouch. No, I'm just gonna, nothing. I'm just. It's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be bad, bad. Although they might get they might get Zion Williamson though from Duke as the number one pick if they win the lottery. So we'll see. Well, I mean, Duke has uh, three of the best players in the country uh, playing for them. Uh, quickly, you know, you mentioned the, the Cavs. My oh, my uh, the the bet slash take I have oh, not a bet. It's more of a take. I said that the Kings would finish with more wins than the Cavs this year. Well, the Kings already have two, twice as many wins as the Cavs. Wow. I, I like it. I like the Kings' uh, up-and-coming roster. They have a lot of nice young players. They're not going to be anything good for a couple of years. They have a new arena. They have a they have a good they have a good coach who is Dave Yeager, who was in Memphis. Everyone remembers him from Memphis. Right. I think they're on the right track. I mean, they're nowhere near you know competing like I said, but you know, give them a couple of years. You know, some of these players like De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley and uh, I know uh, Willie Cauley Stein and some of these other guys just keep keep on to continue to develop. Buddy Heald. They'll, they'll they'll be a good you know lower like you know you know six seven eight seed in, in the hopefully soon in the West because when the Kings are in the playoffs, remember that when they were in the playoffs you know in the two thousands with Weber and Bibby and all that the Lakers I mean and the Warriors need a rival and having a rival that's so close like the Kings that'd be great if the Warriors you know if they're both good at the same time because have we ever seen the Warriors and Kings good at the same time? No, not 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 that I can recall in my thirty so, thirty one years of existence. But uh, right. by the way. One more surprise before we kick it over to a little 49ers Cardinals. The undefeated Toronto Raptors. I don't even know where you're sitting at. (laughs) (laughs) Kawhi Leonard laugh remix. I'm sure you heard that one. Oh, it's it's so good. So good. That that must be the best laugh in the history of laughs. I mean, we got to go. We got to go one of low the other day. That's really good. That we play side by side with Kawhi anytime we do it. But uh, that is probably one of the, if not the best laughs in the history of sports and history of laughs on planet Earth. Uh, yeah, we need to do a. Did, w- did you guys do a Mount Laugh More with Dibs by chance? We have not. Oh, that's something I just, we went, I that's just gave you a segment need, idea. We might need to erect at some point. Nice, nice. Speak. I wanted to ask you this quickly because we're still in the NBA. Okay. The record for most points scored in a game by one team is 162 in regulation. 162 by the 1990 run TMC Warriors. Will the Golden State Warriors of this season break that record? I'm gonna take. I'm gonna say yes. They will. With the I, way I want to see it happen. By the way, I was just discussing this with the the great Matt Steinmetz in the uh, production room earlier today. Uh, the addition of the offensive rebound shot clock change, which is now. 14. If you get an offensive rebound, the shot clock goes to 14, no longer 20, back to 24. The the Warriors had in the in the Thunder combined for 33 offensive rebounds. You do so you subtract 10 seconds, and you're basically getting an extra six minutes of basketball just off 
of, of basketball possession just off offensive rebounds in that game. That's why off. That's why we're seeing such high scores, and not not to mention, you know, guy the foul, foul, more fouls are being called, and you know, there's a lot running around the perimeter is not as uh, it's a little easier now because you can't guys aren't trying to, you know, they're getting called on all, all these off the screen stuff. So I just thought that was a little interesting stat. No, you're right, and I we I mean we've talked about this. The scoring in the NBA is up. The scoring in the NFL is up. Uh, right. The home run rate increasing in, in baseball is up. I mean, even in hockey earlier, you know, to start the season early, there's been a lot of goals scored. The, the Penguins scored nine goals last night. Wow. So I'd like to see all the scoring. I mean. Oh, yeah, against Mike you know, Smith in Calgary, right? Good God. Ugh. I mean, Mike Smith was so bad. Another, this year. like I said, he had a sick ass goal. Sorry. Uh, was it? FCC's not listening. Um, Crosby had another sick goal, and it's like, oh, I was like, oh, who's that? I was like, oh, that's Mike Smith. Of course it was Mike Smith. Uh, good thing Phoenix got or Arizona got rid of him. Not good uh, for my fantasy team. Good God. Yeah. Anyway, oh. speaking of fantasy well, I team, I, I, I Jonathan Quick, so we can't get much worse than that. Mm, yeah, it's not good. But uh, speaking of fantasy team, how's your fantasy football team doing? Uh, believe it or not, I beat Damon Bruce last week. So morning show reigns superior over the afternoon drive show. Very nice. Um, oh yeah, you five, got a heroic effort from uh, from Sterling, right? Sterling Shepard got me that 50-yard reception at the end of the game in garbage time. Really helped me out. That's incredible. Uh, Damon had Matt Breida and I want to say Carlos Hyde, both in his lineup. Carlos Hyde did not play. Breida had .5, you know, after he lost a fumble. So, I mean, I had Sean McCoy, and he did nothing either because he got hurt also. So, that was – I don't believe in luck. Luck is for losers. I, I just beat Damon. My team's better. Superior. Five and two. Uh, third place. Uh, Twelve in the ninety-five seventy game fantasy football league. Bravo. This is this is my this is my uh, farewell tour. I'm, this is my last year of fantasy football. I, I told myself I this I was going to go one more year and I'm done. This is my last year doing it. So well, hopefully I can you know roll in some money and you know have bragging rights for the rest of my life. Well, good luck. You'll you'll I, I hope you win your final final ever season of fantasy football. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of fantasy production in the 49ers-Cardinals game this Sunday. Uh, Niners go in with one win. Do Car- the Kawhi laugh. What's that? Do the Kawhi laugh. You want to hear the Kawhi laugh? No, do the Kawhi laugh when he said there's not going to be any fantasy production in this game. Oh, yeah, Do the yeah. Kawhi laugh. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have it handy right now, but yes, uh, we, we, could, we could pretend. We just all had, it's on our imagination, yes. There you go. Uh, yeah, one, two win one team. One, two win one. Two, two one win teams. Uh, and of course, the Cardinals' one win came against this Niners team on the road with a rookie quarterback. Uh, Cardinals just fired their offensive coordinator, so Byron Leftwich is going to be uh, the man in AZ calling the plays. Uh, is that going to make any difference in this game? Um, do you think the Niners have can shore up anything defensively? I think Beathard has a bounce back game. For some reason, the Niners have played pretty decently on the road this year. Uh, they have not played well at Levi's. I mean, I know their only win came at Levi's, but. At least they were in the game in Minnesota on the road. They almost beat the Packers on the road. They just seem to be a little bit more buttoned up on the road as opposed to home for some reason. So what do you expect from this weekend? Do the Niners pick up their second win of the year? Uh, well, last time we talked uh, on this podcast about the 49ers, I'm pretty sure I called the Cardinals you saying did. the Cardinals are going to win. I laughed at Cardinals you. Are gonna, Cardinals are going to win again this weekend. Uh, wow. But the, the, they, I think that the Cardinals have more talent. on their, There's more talent on that Cardinals defense than the 49ers have. Uh, so there's that. Uh, okay, I'll give Beathard over Rosen. Rosen's a young quarterback, but I do like the addition of Byron Leftwich becoming the OC. He worked under Bruce Arians for a year last year as a QB's coach. He played under Arians in Pittsburgh when he was the, you know, the backup quarterback to Roethlisberger. Then when Arians was the QB's coach slash offensive coordinator, so he's going to probably take some of the um, parts of Arians' offense, which, you know, the, when Arians was the head coach in, in 
uh, Arizona, they, they put up points. So I hope that helps with Josh Rosen. You have a former quarterback helping a, a young quarterback like, you know, Leftwich is a first-rounder as well, an early first-round pick. And I, I think it's going to help. I The Niners do play better on the road. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with, you know, Matt Breida. I saw Dante Pettis is going to play, so that'll help Bethard with another receiving option because your two top receivers are so hit and miss with, you know, Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garçon, who – Garçon is doubtful. He's not going to play on Sunday. Yeah, so exactly. Good riddance. I mean, I liked him when he played for Indy, and he was a good player with the Redskins. But he has done nothing to help the 49ers. And I, and I know that was John Lynch's big splash move. And we've talked, you and I have talked about this before, but the moves Lynch has made, free agency and drafting, some of them don't look good. Except for, you know, the Garoppolo trade looks great, but it, does, it can't cover up every other bad, you know, bad signing they've had so far. But, you know, they have four more years left after this year to figure it out. So I think the Cardinals, the Cardinals win this game, and the Niners sit at one, what, one and seven after this week. Yeah, it'd be one and seven, and then they got the uh, Raiders and Giants coming up. So some couple teams that are amidst a fire sale right now. So it'll be really interesting to see how the Niners do. I guess if they're going to lose any of these games uh, this weekend, wouldn't be a bad one to lose because then you'd have two losses against the Cardinals. So if there was a scenario where you tie them at the end of the year, and there's no other teams tied, there's there will be no coin toss. You will have the uh, higher pick. Is that if I, correct? Me if I'm wrong. Am I right on that? Uh, you, uh, you're pre- I'm not 99 percent sure you're you're right about that and. Um, I think there will be other teams that have more wins than or less wins than both of them when the season's over. Yeah, because uh, like you said, they're playing the Giants and the Raiders, and the Raiders are in full uh, full tank mode. Which you know, I love tanking. Uh, we talked about this before. I think tanking works. Can you really it, tank it, in football? That's the thing. No, um, you could tank in the front remember, office, but you can't tank yeah, on the field. I remember. I, I can't remember if it was you said that or or Bonte Hill of the Greg Pappas show said that. I think it was me. The players don't tank, but the front office will. You know. The front office will tank, and I think that's what you know. I'm, I'm, that's what the Raiders are doing, and clearly, I think the Giants are going to start doing that. And the Browns did that a few times, and you know, with the Raider, you know, the Raiders, they're they're clearly tanking. Although John Gruden said we don't get up before him to tank. Yeah, sure, that's why you traded Kula Mack for a first round draft pick. You traded Amari right. Cooper for a first round draft pick, which actually, you know, for him, that was actually a win. I can't believe someone gave him a first, but. Uh, those two games coming up, uh, I think they could. I think the Niners can beat the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, this opponent, I won't be able to be here to go attend that since it's right down the street and it's my birthday. But you know, shout out weddings on Thursday. So yeah, we'll we'll handle that. And then you got the Giants, Monday Night Football. I can't wait. Yeah, what a game. That's actually we, not we sit here and laugh and, and we joke about that being a Monday Night game and how terrible it is. It'll probably be a really high scoring, really good game because anytime you put two teams that aren't any good and they play against each other opposed to that 49ers-Cardinals game that happened a few weeks ago. It'll probably be one of those games that surprises you where it's going to be better than the Bills and uh, Patriots, which is this week's Monday Night Football game. Exactly, exactly. I just want to go back to what you're talking about with John Lynch. And obviously, you know, you, you, you stated the Pierre Garçon signing. We got the Malcolm Smith signing. You know, the Kyle Juszczyk was looked at as a bit of an overpay. Weston Richburg hasn't really done a whole lot. He's been kind of in, banged up all year. Um, and then we look at his draft and, you know, it's like, obviously the Solomon Thomas one's a big head scratcher. He has not been anywhere to be found. I mean, he's been played some pretty poor football overall for a number three pick overall. Uh, Reuben Foster now he's regressed. Akella Witherspoon has regressed. We've seen a lot of regression, Adrian Colbert. So, I mean, it seemed like some of these guys were like hits last year. It seemed like, Hey, Reuben Foster's going to be a stud. Uh, you know, we didn't want to judge Solomon Thomas too much in his first year. Colbert looked like a nice little gem in the seventh round, but so are we, are we pointing the blame at Lynch and you know, we're looking at some of his picks this year too. I mean, McGlinchey's fine. You want to protect Jimmy G. We all understood that. 
Dante Pettis, you know, we can't really judge him yet because he's been hurt. Uh, obviously, the Kittle draft pick last year has been his best one, and we don't even know if that was actually Kyle Shanahan's pick or not. Because Kyle, it's been noted that Kyle handpicked um, Williams, the running back out of Utah, and that completely was a failure. And also, Kyle wanted to move up and draft C.J. Beathard in the third round. So if Kyle, I would imagine Kyle's got a pretty big say in most of these offensive draft picks. That all said, are we starting to blame John Lynch here with some of these signings and these misfires on the draft picks, or is it the coaching? Is it Robert, like Robert Sala? I mean, we look at some of these plays, the Niners can't even tackle. They're, they're having discipline issues, jumping off sides in major key scenarios. Like when, remember when Solomon Thomas week one jumped on offside on a fourth and one against the Vikings cost the Niners a chance to get in the ball brutal. back. Brutal, brutal, like little mistakes like that. Get like Brian Baldinger. We had him on the other day and he was talking about, he was breaking down film on his Twitter at Baldy NFL and he's showing the goal line defense, and they're just completely. There's like five, like less than five oh, guys on the that. line. It was like, embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Remember the, uh, Isn't that a personnel the issue? The Chargers. Remember the game against the Chargers where they had the uh, the Chargers had the four the four. Oh no, it was the Packers where they had the four receiver set on the left on the left side, and, the, and there was only two defensive backs. It's like, well, you're setting yourself up for success with this play where right. you only have two guys covering four receivers. It's it's embarrassing. I, I don't understand the regression across the board with this team. I mean, I know I get it. There's been a lot of bad injuries, but most of the injuries have been on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, Richard Sherman's been in and out of the lineup with a calf strain. Um, he's been legit when he's played because teams aren't really targeting him. I and mean, even when they are targeting him, he's been pretty good. I mean, I, I've been happy with that signing overall. I think they did a nice job with that. But I don't know. Like, I, I'm not concerned about Kyle Shanahan. Like, I, I would like to get a good feel, a better feeling about him, get some more wins, and just feel feel better about him overall. And I think he does have his issues with clock management and holding holding a lead. Obviously, the Super Bowl is a big one, and you know we kind of saw that in Green Bay. He struggled to kind of maintain that lead in the second half. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and he's done that to not Kyle Shanahan, but plenty of other coaches. But overall, I feel good about Shanahan. I mean, 92 snaps against the Cardinals in that loss. I mean. They had over 30 first downs. He's, he's made C.J. Beathard look, look pretty pretty decent in certain games. He just got to cut down on, on the turnovers. And if, if I'm looking for one thing here with, with the Niners this weekend, just win the turnover margin for once, just one time. Just be plus one, plus two, whatever it is. Force a fumble, make an interception, don't turn the ball over on offense. Just That's all I'm asking for. That's that's a lot of, uh, a lot of things you're hoping for with a team that has one turnover uh, that they've got on defense all year, and they've they've had what eighteen you know turnovers on offense, so their their turnover margin is what minus seventeen. Yeah, I mean this is about as remember the Raiders last year they didn't get their first interceptions like week like fourteen. Uh, the Niners you know had that pick six was it Dante Exum? Yep. Or Anton Exum had it in the uh, the, the game against the Chargers, and that's the last <laughs> the only turnover they had all year. Uh, I'm not concerned about Shanahan. The only thing that concerns me about Shanahan, and I, I think I believe I mentioned this to you before, and I know I've mentioned it to other people, I like. I like I like him as a play caller. I threw on the idea of like, does he need an offensive coordinator? Because I, I put I compared it to what McVay's done in in L A. In L A. last year, McVay's first year, he had Matt Lafleur, who's now the Titans OC, as his offensive coordinator, and he hired Wade Phillips, a guy that knows defense, a guy that can help his young defense get you know they're good and they've gotten better you know over you know from last year to this year because adding Sue and you know they lost guys but they've gotten you know with losing guys and bringing guys in they've been you know they've still been solid. And I think that Shanahan needed to hire a good defensive coordinator because he's worrying about the offensive side of the ball. And 
Sala, you know, I like him. He's a young dude. He's energetic, but he's never been a coordinator before. He's been, what, a linebacker's coach? That's really about it. Yeah. And I think having a guy that has experience as a defensive coordinator would have really helped that 49ers defense. I mean, yeah, Richard Sherman's great and all, and, you know, when he's, in, when he's actually on the field, and he's a good leader, but he's, that's it. That's the only leader they have. They have no leaders. They need someone besides Sherman out there putting these guys in the right position. You know, a linebacker, you know, when they had – Yeah. You know Patrick Willis and Navarro. I mean, nothing, no, no, no offense to, to Malcolm Smith, but he hasn't done anything, and he's just, he's looked at as a leader because he's older. But I, I would say, if you're them, you got to make some moves in the offseason, bring in some veteran defensive players. Uh, you, you probably have to make the move from from Sol, you know, move on from Salah, unfortunately. But you look for a more experienced defensive coordinator. There's going to be someone out there. There always is, and shore up that defense and bring some playmakers in for Shannon to have on that offense for Garoppolo next year because you're going to have Garoppolo back. You'll have McKinnon back next year, and you'll see what you'll get out of him. And hopefully this team starts building back to where they were when – I mean, just get to where they were with Harbaugh. And his first year when they were – what were they, 12-4, and 11-5? and five, Just get back to where they were there. I don't want you to go to the Super Bowl next 13, year. But, I think they went 13-3 and three that year, didn't, didn't they? What was their record when they went to the Super Bowl? I thought they were 13-3 when they went to the Super Maybe Bowl. Maybe that was it. I don't know. I, I can't I don't know. Anyway, just get, get – you know what? Hell, get to eight wins. I don't care. Just get to eight wins. Yeah. Be a 500 team for, for all I care. I mean, just – Baby steps, and and I think that they'll get there eventually. And, and you know, I'm not saying fire, you know, John Lynch, you know, today because of the picks he's made. He's you know, give him another year, and we'll see how it plays out. And you know, he's clearly a, he'll he'll be better gentleman than John Gruden will be. But yeah, uh, they have um, they have a lot of uh, a lot of cap space. I think it's like 67 million. Um, you know, it's going to be a big draft for them, and they're going to be in the top five, I would think, this year. They got to you know, they got to hit. They got to hit on like you, you said it. Keyword playmakers. They need a playmaker at, in the in the secondary. They need a playmaker as a receiver. You know, they need they need playmakers. So it'll be interesting to see how this three game stretch goes against the one win clubs. Um, obviously, for the Niners, you a loss is good in terms of draft positioning, but a win is good in terms of you know you're actually winning football games, which is rare around these parts these days. But Anyway, we, we're getting getting towards the end here. I just want to move on to the uh, to the World Series a little bit, discuss what's going on right now. Uh, game three tonight at Chavez Ravine. Uh, Boston's up 2-0. The last 10 teams that were up 2-0 all won the World Series. A couple of those Giants teams were mixed in there. Um, before we even get into the World Series, like the actual like series itself, I, I got to ask you about Clayton Kershaw, man. Like, I, I'm starting to view him as for more of his ineptitude in the in the playoffs than I am for his greatness in the regular season of the last 10 years. Uh, this guy just seems to, like, when the bright lights of October come on, he just seems to shrivel up, and I, I don't understand it. Uh, he's too good to be this bad in the playoffs. Uh, what What's going on with him? And, you know, is is he's 30 years old, you know, a lot of, lot of mileage on that arm. Is Are we seeing kind of the end of end of his greatness? I don't think so, although it, you can compare him the the the, the – longevity of his career to where he's at now being 30. I always thought he was like, I always, he reminds me a lot of, I mean, I can say he reminds me a lot of Sandy Koufax, but I didn't watch Koufax, you know, pitch in person, obviously <laughs> I read books. I, you know, I read his book and I've looked at his numbers and he was, you know, Sandy Koufax was incredible. And Kershaw is, you know, Kershaw is Kershaw and he's, he's won three Cy Youngs. He's won an MVP. He's been with the Dodgers since 2008. He's just, he's been a staple. If when you think of the Dodgers, you think you think of Kershaw, you don't think of Puig, you don't think of Bellinger, you don't think of uh, Corey Seager. You don't think of any of those guys. You think obviously you think of Kershaw. And it, it's alarming to see how bad he's been in the playoffs. And I thought this would be the year where he finally figured it out. But I, I, I just don't get it. For a, for a team that ha- that's so anal- analytically inclined, they should figure this out with Kershaw. Like 
what what you know if it if it's the way he's thrown off the mound in the playoffs if there, anything this what there's so there's something going on it's, and it's it's where you have to dive into the the mental side of things I, saying, I think that yeah, he, that he it's the 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 pressure I think gets to him the regular season it's free flowing the Dodgers are always so good and you know they won the division what six years in a row now I mean like yeah. there's no pressure on him but once the playoffs come around he kind of shrivels up and I hate to see it because he's one of the I mean to me he's one of the best pitchers I've seen I mean I've seen you know I, we grew up watching Pedro and. And you know, Greg Maddox. I still say Greg Maddox is the best pitcher I've ever seen because just what he did for his size and how he mixed speeds and everything he did uh, for being so small. But I think that you know Kershaw is one of the best pitchers I've seen. And you're right, his ineptitude in, in the playoffs has been. It's. I mean, even David Price has figured it out. I mean, this playoff run, he's figured it out. But yeah. that was always a big knock on Price. Is he he couldn't figure it out in the playoffs. But Kershaw, it's just I, I don't get it, and I don't want that to take away from his legacy because, like we said, he's won three Cy Youngs, he's won the MVPs. I mean. Bumgarner is going to go down as the, probably the greatest postseason pitcher, like you said to me the other day, and even if he doesn't throw another pitch, and I don't disagree with that. And I just don't think you take away from Kershaw because his playoff runs have been so bad because he's been so good, but you got, it has to start creeping in because it seems like it's every year that he doesn't – He just it gets worse and worse for him. And I just don't know, I don't know if it's maybe just pitching in a lane that gets to him. He, he can opt out after this year and say he goes, pitch, he goes to pitch somewhere else. He's from Texas. Say he goes – well, neither of those teams are really competing besides Houston. He's not going there. So say he go say he went to the Astros. If he has a year next year with the Astros, hypothetically, and he pitches like he does now, and he shrivels up again, it's just like okay, there, there's clearly something with this guy that, you know, it's gonna start taking away from us. You know, he'll be a Hall of Famer, but it's like, eh, how good was he really? And I agree with you, like it's it's not looking good. Yeah, his struggles are very well documented, and obviously he when he steps onto the mound in October, he know he knows he's he's well aware of it. So uh, I think it's mostly a mental thing, but. Uh, hey, I'm a Giants fan. I'm not complaining, but uh, but real quick, that just gives me to to well, actually, let's finish up the World Series talk before I talk about Bumgarner. But the is this going to be a sweep? Do you think the Dodgers get one in L.A.? Do you think they even it? Do you think they go back to Boston two two? What what happens here? Well, um, actually, well, since there's three straight in, in L.A., because isn't it isn't it? Uh, oh, is they it two three, three two? Yeah, I, I think I think the Dodgers will probably you know. I'd like to see them go. I, I'm rooting for the Dodgers because I'll never root for Boston besides the Celtics in any sport. Right. Uh, I want to see. I would like to see them go back three-two. I think they go, they go back to Boston down three-two, and you know I think I think the Red Sox. You know I hate to say, it, but I think ultimately they're going to end up winning the World Series. Their team's so good. The, the job Alex Cora has done. We're, we're you know I'm one of the people that undervalued what he did this year because I thought he's just a guy that they threw in there, and he has he has all that talent around him. They spent all that money, and the front office is going to run that team through analytics, but Dombrowski's not an analytics guy. So this is all Alex Cora to me. And people forget that Dombrowski's the guy in the front office. It's not, it's not high end bloom from Tampa. It's not Friedman in, in LA. It's not Luno in Houston. You know, it's not one of those. It's not Billy and David force. It, it's a guy that's not known for analytics. He's known for just spending money and trading players away. And I think a lot of credit has to be given to Alex Cora for what he's done. And yeah, he went Mookie Betts had a great year and JD Martinez had a great year and David Price has turned it around. So I, I definitely think Boston's going to end up winning and, but it will it will go back to Boston. I don't. There's no way that they're going to sweep the Dodgers in four games. Yeah, I think it goes back to Boston, which will be pretty cool for. Uh, hopefully, if the Red Sox can pull it off and do it at home, that'd be pretty cool. Um, just getting back to Bumgarner real quick. Obviously, we talked about Kershaw's struggles in the playoffs, and Bumgarner is the anti-Kershaw. And you know, he's the great one of the greatest, like you just said, one of the greatest postseason pitchers ever. Uh, does that affect, how, how much does that play into his trade value? To be honest, like if you're if you're the Yankees, if you're the Astros, and let's just say the Red Sox win this year, 
you're looking at the big bad Red Sox that just won 108 games. You know, the, the Astros were very chirpy going into the ALCS. They were talking a lot of sm- a lot of smack. And Bregman posting videos and yada, yada, yada. We, we had all our guys injured this year, and we still won 103 games. Uh, it didn't matter. They won four out of five. They, they beat your ass in, in the ALCS, made, made you look silly, the defending champs. Then you got the Yankees, you know, who obviously one of the greatest rivalries in sports with Boston. I mean, Boston's here to stay. They got staying power with Mookie Betts and JD signed the five-year deal. Uh, Chris Sale anchoring that staff for years to come. I mean, if you're if you're Houston to New York, are you looking at Bumgarner as a guy that you want to get even before the season starts? Because and if you're the Giants on the flip side, would it be better to deal Bumgarner now than wait until the dead deadline in July, just for the risk of injury, the risk of performance uh, struggles? I think it makes sense right now. But I don't know who the next Giants GM is going to be or whatever who's calling the shots, but. Whoever that guy comes in, they need to ship. They need to ship him off to either Atlanta, where he's from, where he's from, or he's right near, right near Atlanta. He's from Hickory, North Carolina, four-hour drive. Or you look at the big bad Yankees or the Astros. I mean, what, what do you think happens here? I think I think you definitely trade him this uh, this offseason. You don't wait till the deadline next year because we've seen it, and you know my my stance on it. But I, I think the devaluing of the starting pitcher is going to start weighing in on some of these guys, and you're going to see it like we did in the offseason last year with. Remember JD Martinez was a free agent until almost spring training, and he got that. You know, he got what five for one twenty six. He's worked way more than one hundred twenty six million over five years. But yeah, they're they're you know these free agent contracts and the, you know the union and 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 ages and stuff. You know, it's it's completely different now. And I think that with the devaluing and starting pitching, with the bullpenning, and you know guys only going so many t- you know times through the order, I think this might come back to hurt uh, Bumgarner. I don't think it it should, but I think it will because. I mean, you're seeing guys. I mean, we saw today Chris Sell. I mean, yeah, he threw. He hasn't been the same, but he threw what 90 pitches in four innings. Like, mm-hmm. if you work in, or, if you work through the order, you're gonna you're gonna get a guy out. And I don't, I can't see a team wanting to pay Bumgarner all that money, if, you know, for something like that to happen, or if you're gonna only have him pitch five innings. The Yankees are the, the team that has to get him. They have nobody. Their starting pitching is, 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 I'm sorry, it's garbage. Besides Luis Severino, their pitching's not good. Yeah, Sonny Gray's gonna get traded. Uh, CC Sabathia is a thousand years old. Uh, who, who else do they have that, that, that I'm forgetting? Tanaka. Um, uh, Tanaka has needed Tommy John for like four years now. His elbow is hanging by his. It's just a ligament hanging there. Yeah. It's a. It's the same thing Otani had. And Otani opted to have the Tommy John surgery, and Tanaka's had this for years now. And shout out Tanaka, we share the same birthday. But that doesn't that doesn't matter. I think that they need to get him because he it makes sense for him. But I don't know if they can get the haul that we would think they would. You know, bringing in and. You know, and 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 Duhar and Luke Voigt and a few other guys because if you're devaluing the starting pitcher, that's going to hurt Bumgarner's value and then ultimately what you get back for him. But I definitely think they have to move on from from him this offseason. That'll be the great first move for whoever they bring in. If it's high end bloom from the from the Rays or you you look, you, I mean, I know they said not Ned Coletti, but I'm going to keep saying Ned Coletti or whoever they bring in because you haven't heard we haven't heard anything on who their next GM is going to be. In. Yeah, maybe Jason McLeod from Chicago. Could be a I few. think Michael Elias is the best guy to bring in. The guy from Houston. He worked. He's Luno's assistant GM. Yeah. And we've seen what David Stearns has done with the Brewers, working under Luno. So I think that Elias will be good. Uh, there's a few other guys in the Astros system that are really good too. But I think Elias will be the best. Michael Elias will be the best choice. And no, yeah. because we have the same I, last name, I, he I, just knows what he's doing. I understand. I think that. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I, I think he's the guy. And if not, uh, you go after High and Bloom, the guy from the Rays, because you know look what the Rays got. They lost. Rocco Baldelli to be a manager, and they lost their bench coach um, Montoyo to be a, a be the manager in, in Toronto. So people take people, you know, they, they pick people away from the race for a reason because they have smart young guys that know what they're doing, and 
if the Giants want to move it, get in front of this analytical movement, I think getting you know high in bloom or bringing in a lot will do that. But that's also probably going to devalue what you get for Bumgarner. Yeah, man. If I'm if I'm uh, Brian Cashman, I'm calling up the Giants once the World Series is over, and I'm trying to figure out what we can what he could figure out to get get Bumgarner because a move like that is what wins you uh, you know Executive of the Year awards. I mean, if they can get but and listen, I get I get that everything is moving towards bullpenning. I totally understand that, but. I'm not going to pretend that a guy like Bumgarner is not going to be valuable in the playoffs. I mean, the guy's the greatest postseason pitcher. And, yet, you, you know, you noted that Sale couldn't even get through the fourth or fifth inning. Well, his pitch count was at 90. I mean, I, we when has Bumgarner had a pitch count at 90 in four innings? I, I can't even recall last time. Like, Bumgarner's a more efficient pitcher. I mean, I mean he's not a big strikeout guy. Like, Sale's a strikeout guy. Bumgarner's not. I mean, remember, Sale had a game this year. I remember he, had, he went five innings, struck out 12 batters. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's what he does. He's a strikeout guy. And, you know, Bumgarner's more of a finesse, you know, efficient starter, and he gets a lot of. He likes to get a lot of ground balls and everything. Place but, the contact, yeah. Yeah. By the way, I can't right. picture it, Bumgarner with a shaved face playing for the Yankees. Just want to throw. Uh, yeah, it, that, that's see, that's the one thing against it. But you know, uh, speaking of that, real quick, um, you're, we're going to do Movember again, so people should be on the lookout for that. We've done it. We did it two years ago. We took a hiatus last year, but Movember is going to be back this year for us. But okay, back to Bumgarner. Yeah, yeah it's going to be weird to see him pitching for the Yankees without a beard. Uh, just like it was weird seeing Johnny Damon without a beard, seeing any of those guys without a beard. Uh, you, Jason Jami with shorter hair. It's just, I get it. I get why they do that. But um, yeah, you're right. Cashman needs to be calling the Giants. I call him every day. Do you, every do day you, since they hired GM, just call him every day. Be relentless. Do you see the Braves potentially kicking kicking the can on on Bumgarner? I mean, they got the number two ranked farm system in baseball right now. Uh, they got some really impressive young arms. Do you think that you know? Four hour his his family's four hours away from uh, from Atlanta, Hickory, Hickory, North Carolina. Do you think they give him a call this offseason try to get him over there? It'd be it'd be smart to do that because that 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 will bring in fans to that ballpark. Because even how good they were, they still weren't bringing fans. Well, Atlanta never gets fans, but you bring him in that'll help that'll help that young pitching staff with you know Fulton Nevich and you know some of the other guys they have. They have a couple uh, really good up and coming twenty year olds. They have Tuki Tuasan. I mean, they have they have some guys that. They're, they're going to be good for them for years to come, and I think that having Bumgarner there to help anchor that staff will be great. Yeah, the local appeal, the letter, the leadership. Uh, I, I just think it's it's a good fit for them, but I just don't think the Braves. I, th- I don't think Antopoulos will want to. He's been pretty aggressive before. He made the Tulo trade with the with the. Uh, he, I, he made the Tulo trade with the um, when he was with the Blue Jays. He I traded he, uh, he traded Syndergaard to the Mets. I think. Yeah. For, oh yeah, for Arya Dickey. Yeah. So I, I could see him doing that. I mean, that I don't. I don't think he wants that to happen again. I don't. I'm not saying our. You know, I'm not saying that Bumgarner is going to be Arya Dickey as a as a Met. Right. But or as well, a Blue Jay. But I, I think that he he'll definitely kick the tires. But I still think the Yankees are the team that's going to get him. Yeah, they were pretty. If, if they, they do to trade him. They were pretty aggressive. Uh, you know, they they got Kevin Gaussman at the deadline. But it'll be interesting to see where, what happens with Bumgarner. Like I said earlier, I think I think. Boston winning the World Series is the best thing that could happen for the Giants in terms of Bumgarner's trade value because I think it puts more pressure on some of these American League contenders to make a splashy move and uh, really improve their their roster to contend next year. Um, so we'll see what happens. But uh, as we head out here, San Jose Sharks, Team Teal, three-game winning streak, epic comeback in Nashville. Uh, I'm very happy with Evander Kane on my fantasy team. Also very happy with Brent Burns on my fantasy team. Oh, Leads the team points. also very happy with a guy you ripped when, who I had on my team about a week yeah, I ago. I Nugent Hopkins. You gave him the funeral take, and he's he's killing it right now. Yeah, um, and you know, Pavelski leads the Sharks in goals. So, um, yeah, it's uh, 
Oh, you thought I was going Pavelski? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to see what. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't even realize you thought I was talking Pavelski. I was, I was going to go Nugent Hopkins there. Who's no, 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 no. I heard you say Nugent Hopkins. That's that's you know good for him. But I was I was going towards Pavelski because remember I I buried I said Pavs' career is pretty much I said it was over. But I said uh, I think it's time to be worried about Joe Pavelski. And here he is leading the Sharks in goals. Wow. So, How many uh, goals is he? Have I, was, I was completely wrong. Uh, I like they're playing the Hurricanes tonight. Actually, they'll be playing them here uh, shortly. Uh, I think that uh, I love Sebastian Ajo for them. I like the Hurricanes team. They have a nice young team. They play in a nice arena, PNC, you know, PNC Bank Arena or mm-hmm. whatever it's called in in North Carolina. Uh, Sharks, they want you know they want three in a row, um, and here they come. You know, they play, they're playing the they're playing the Hurricanes tonight. They play over the weekend, and then they come home and they play the Rangers, which will be a good game. I'm going to go to that one. That'll be a good one against the Rangers on Tuesday. So their upcoming schedules, you know, the, the, they play okay, yeah, yeah, they play Anaheim on Sunday, and that that'll be going. That's always a feisty, competitive, you know, game between those two. The playoff series last year was so was so good. It was so dirty when Anaheim went down, and I, I love watching those team, two, those two teams play. Jesus, yeah. But uh, Eric Carlson's looked good on the power play. The Sharks' power plays look better. I uh, like the direction they're heading. Uh, I believe Aaron Dell starting in net tonight for the Sharks because it's the middle game of this road yeah. trip, and they're playing the Eastern Conference team. So I could see that why well, that's working out, but. That comeback in Nashville, you're right. They were down, they were down four two. They got the three goals. You know, the shorty from Dylan Pavelski, and then you have Brent Burns with the game winner on the power play. So yeah, I, nice. I, I like the direction they're trending. I, I mean, this is this is the year. I, I hope this is the year for them to get back to the cup because when they're in the cup, that was incredible. I'm not saying so selfishly because I live down here and the All Star Game's down here, but but when the Sharks are are rolling, it's good. Even though we don't uh, talk about them that much on the air for our actual job. Uh, it's fun to talk about them here because they they are an exciting team, and I, w- I want more people to start watching them. I know you we, we watch them, but we need more people to start watching them, and that's why I'm, so I'm glad we have a chance and a platform to talk about them here. Yeah, you know what I like about the Sharks is they have uh, just a plethora of different guys that can put the puck in the net. Like right now, like you said, Pavelski leads the team. He's actually in a three-way tie with Logan Couture, Timo Meyer. Then you got coming up in fourth. You got uh, Evander Kane. Hurdle's got three. Donskoy's got three. Burns is two. I mean, we haven't even really seen Carlson get hot yet. They got a lot of guys that can put the puck in the net. So it should be a fun year. Hopefully they keep it rolling. And uh, hopefully we can keep this thing rolling the rest of the year. Uh, I've been I've been enjoying these a lot. I'm, I'm trying to get a little bit more consistent with them. But, uh, you know, he's the morning producer. I'm the late t- afternoon producer. So sometimes our schedules don't always mix, match, mix together. But that all said, it was fun well, doing it with well, you. Yes, Go. I agree. And let's remember, next time we talk on this podcast... We will both be 30 years old. Oh, that's right. And uh, I will be at your birthday next week. So uh, Can't wait. Uh, I'm glad to bring you Jane because she's the, the, she's the life of the party. She really is. She really is. All right, people. Have a good weekend. All right. Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. Uh, 